for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And tonight we're doing a change of pace on the Daily Review. We are going to talk about a show called This Is Us, a show without any ghosts, goblins, lasers, aliens, big feet, Darth Vader's, nothing like that. I hope there's no ghosts. That's going to get real freaky. So the dynamic on this one's going to be a little bit different because I saw season one and Paul just kind of dabbled in season one. So we are beginning on season two with the first episode called A Father's Advice. We're going to go by character where they were in season one and try to kind of catch up with Paul here. And especially if you guys are just joining us, I can kind of give you the backstory on everybody. And then we're going to talk about where they are now and what we hope is going to happen next. Let's talk about the general premise of the show first. We have the Pearson family, parents, Jack and Rebecca, and we have three kids, Kate, Randall, and Kevin. All right. Let's start off with Jack and Rebecca. Jack and Rebecca. What do you know about Jack? Well, I know that he's played by Milo from Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's see, Jack is apparently dad of the year. They haven't given up much about that. Like, that least... is the central mystery of the show is, right. is why... Why and how he died? What were the circumstances of his death? We knew from the beginning that he had passed by now. We get to learn a lot about him in flashback, which has made this show incredibly successful because they're able to sort of lay down little bits of information and then fill in a little bit with the backstory. Almost always reveals something unexpected, which is absolutely crowd-pleasing. We expected to see... Mandy Moore with Milo and and he and he wasn't there or something some some kind of image where it was like you expected to see them together because they had done the flashback flash forward kind of thing and then you expect to see them together and then then they're not so yeah that's- it's that she comes to the door and they're like oh the grandparents are here and when they open the door it's Rebecca and a different husband Miguel. and so you're like stunned because you're like wait a minute there's no Jack and Mandy Moore has aged terribly (laughs) (laughs) the way that they age her is is a little bit questionable in different episodes sometimes it's not so bad I thought in this one her wig was a little askew in a couple of the shots and so that was a, a little odd but I think generally it's actually pretty shocking how a haircut and glasses can make you look so much older. It's kind of a cautionary tale, ladies, (laughs) about really paying attention to the way you accessorize and your hairstyle, because apparently if you just change those up, you can age quite a bit. And not well. Not well. (laughs) Not well. The backstory on Jack is that he is considered to be pretty much dad of the year. He's an avid Steeler fan, and that comes up a whole bunch in season one. Uh, Kate will watch the Steelers games with the urn of Jack with her. He was an architect. A la Mike Brady. Oh, yeah, sure. A little Mike Brady-esque. All of his children would include the triplet that passed away. So he actually has four children. So they consider that that deceased child to be named Kyle. And then he has the triplets, Kate, Kevin, and Randall. Okay. Comes to Rebecca. I've kind of a question mark. Yeah. Okay. The tidbits that I saw first season, it made it clear that everybody thought Jack was this great guy. It was never made clear that they thought she was anything great at all. Um, And I'm not sure, is that just, I saw the wrong episodes? Uh, 
it's not that they dislike her or think she was a bad mom. It's just Jag was a great dad and she was their mom too. I think that uh, a key piece of information that you need to know is that she was not the one that was keen on having kids at all. It was really Jack that encouraged them to have kids and then to not get pregnant with one, but three was a pretty unexpected surprise. Their life just became really hard, really fast. And so she was depicted as the worn out mom pretty much in the majority of season one. And the way that they set up the dynamic between Jack and Rebecca, it really made us feel like she had thrown him out by the end of the season. That made everyone, you know, think she was way the bigger jerk between the two of them. Okay. So besides that, I know that she um, wants to be a singer. I know that that was a major plot point toward the end of the season. I saw like maybe the episode where she decided to start singing again, but... Right. That was like her dream was to become a singer. And she really put everything on hold in order to have the kids. Nearing the end of season one, she decides to go ahead and pursue this career on a tour. And it ends dismally between her and Jack with Jack coming up there and basically, you know, telling her that this is ridiculous and, you know, she doesn't belong there. And unfortunately, there's also a reveal that she had actually dated one of the other band members. So that made it look extremely sketchy. You can imagine if I was saying, oh, I'm going to go tour for like a while with some guy that I had dated before, but I didn't tell you I dated him before. Mm. You might get pretty pissed. Yes, I believe so. I mean, before the episode airs, they show the little tidbits that they want you to remember for that episode. And they show Jack trying to lay this guy out. That seems completely justified to me. That's how you would act? Sure. I could see you doing that for sure. Okay, so let's move on to their children. So let's start with Kevin. What do you remember about Kevin? Kevin started the first season as the star of a show called The Manny, and it looked like any TGIF, silly, no-brainer kind of sitcom. And he was sick of it. He thought he was, uh, it was basically a loser for being the Manny. And so he, he quit very publicly and tried to start a stage acting career. And that's about as much as I know about that. I know that there was a, a girl who he wrote off a long time ago, and then she went and dated Rick Grimes for a little bit. And then she came back. And that was the same girl that that played Jesse from Alexandria. Yeah, Sophie. Yeah. So, and so he threw his heart into getting her back and, and uh, I think he did. You're completely right that he is an actor. He stars on The Manny. He did take off to go become a Broadway star and that didn't exactly work out very well, but he did fall in love with Sloan, who was the director and the creator of the play and they were dating for a while, but it totally falls apart. But Sophie, who you were talking about, who is Jesse, like you mentioned from The Walking Dead, she is his actually his ex-wife. Mm. She is the his Winnie Cooper, if you will. They had been together since they were like nine years old. Oh. So they did marry, but then they divorced and they didn't see each other for 12 years. And so then that's when Kevin her are reconnecting. And so we're just seeing them now in season two start to be in that sort of like, you know, still very much wanting to make this work. But there's still, you know, some trust stuff there and some like hopefulness that everyone's going to meet expectations. But there's a lot of tension there still about whether that's all going to really work out. Out of all the kids, it seems like Kevin, I mean, he's likable, but it seems like he's got the most lightweight story. Like, uh, I agree with you. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, because I feel like the other people, uh, both Kate and Randall, have pretty emotional stories. There's a lot of baggage there. Now, 
maybe we're we're just simply not privy to Kevin's story yet because really season one, I would say heavily focused on Randall, everything that he went through. Kate absolutely had her moments for sure. But Kevin, I would say maybe his moments didn't feel as deep and as emotional. Kevin, for the most part, you know, dealing with career, I don't know. For me, that's not going to be as, you know, I'm not going to grab a tissue if you change jobs. I'm just not, (laughs) you know? And so you're right. And I'm not, I don't know exactly what is up with that. So we'll see. I, from what I understand this, this season, we're going to see a lot more with him. That's very interesting. Kate, I mean, I I, I don't know how to put it delicately, but she's played by a, a very overweight actress. So I assume that that's part of her character. I know that she went to a weight loss facility of some kind in the first season. I think I recall that she is not the most confident person in the world and requires Kevin to kind of prop her up a lot. She starts dating a a very nice guy named Toby, who we first met on Stranger Things. He was the owner of the diner that got killed right away. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sad to see that. She's actually played by Chrissy Metz, who was Emmy nominated. She is a a plus size actress. And so they do a very realistic job of showing her struggles with her body image. I loved right from the start, they got me with some of the, the little nuances about her character like she put these post-it notes around her apartment like don't eat it I mean it like she'd put little stuff on her food and I mean I can just really appreciate that kind of stuff as I think kind of anyone does I don't know very many people who say like I have no issue ever with my weight those are very few and far between and they're hated everything that she was dealing with was extremely realistic she's also a Steelers fan and so she has that little tie with her dad Jack Toby did propose to her in season one and it was a wonderful relationship to see grow in season one. And I'm so glad uh, we had a real scare with Toby in season one where he basically collapsed. And Mm. oh man, I was so frightened. He like came down just on the floor in the middle of everyone in the living room. Oh my God, they're going to kill Toby. But he pulled through. He was, he's okay. And he's in the second season here. So they do a really great job of showing Kate how she got to where she is now in terms of her self-esteem. They've done episodes that really feature her growing concern with her weight, comparing herself to her mom as she's growing up and noticing like her clothes are bigger than her mom's clothes are now Mm. and things like that. So there's these really small moments with her that felt so real and so honest that I think that she really resonates with a lot of viewers, whether or not you have a particular weight issue. It just seems like she's just portrayed as a very sincere, genuine character. Okay. And you're right. She has a really strong relationship with Kevin specifically. And that's something that comes up almost in every episode. It's really a cornerstone of the the current storyline. I should mention that they are so close that her career was as Kevin's assistant. So like she never had like a career unto herself with her own goals and her own dreams. If you kind of consider that dynamic, it really creates beyond the multiples connection, there is um, just a real codependence between them. So our last triplet is Randall, and he is a little bit more unique. From the first episode, in the most of the ways that we Americans measure adult success, Randall fits all those definitions. He's married, he's got kids, he's got a big house, fancy cars, a job no one can figure out what he does. The thing that kind of screws him up is he basically finds his the father that abandoned him. Was it he went and found his dad or was it that 
his dad found him. I think it was he went and found his dad just to tell him, I don't need you anymore, right? I don't need to worry about you. One thing leads to another and dad's living with him, teaching him all kinds of old man wisdom. Randall, played by Sterling K. Brown, just won the Emmy for Outstanding Actor in a Drama. So that was amazing this past year. He is a weather trader which is, yeah, a really complicated job to explain. <laughs> he has a kick-ass wife in Beth, who I totally love. She is so spunky and cool and tells it like it is, smart, a really great counterpart to him. She can keep up with everything that he's up to and then some. She's ahead of him half the time. You're right. They have two kids. They're named Tess and Annie. They are like little guys. They they, they play in a little bit, but they're not like the focus, which I appreciate. His initial origin story is that basically he had his biological parents were a big part of season one. They actually showed how they met and they met on a bus route in the 70s and his dad was a poet. Unfortunately, he got entangled with drugs and the mother was heroin addicted and she unfortunately died. We all presume that she died in childbirth, though that's not exactly explained. William, who's Randall's dad, can't take care of him. So he decides to do the best thing he thinks is, is right for him, and that's to do the, the safe baby drop at one of the fire stations. It was actually the meeting of the firemen and Jack in the hospital that led him to know about Randall's story, um, enough to know that he had been left. Now he was up for adoption. Basically. Throughout his childhood, Randall lived like in a super white life to the point where Randall like kept a running tally of black people he met because it was so few always was um, was wondering if any of these men could possibly be his biological father. It was difficult. He was so loved. And I would even say that he was probably Rebecca's favorite in many ways. And certainly Jack, they both showed so much love and attention. They really couldn't have given him more. But I think that that compulsion to be perfect, that origin story of coming from like a broken place just doesn't fit that for him. You know, it, it, he needed to fix that. We had a really amazing experience the entire season one with his dad becoming a part of the story. William is diagnosed with cancer and he is basically in his last days. And it, we do learn that he was bisexual and there was a lot of kind of complicating sort of interpersonal dynamics with, with the family, with that information. He was such a breath of fresh air, like how you say, you know, passed on wisdom and stuff he did, but he also allowed us to see Randall just sort of expose his more emotional side, which with the family, he was like far more, you know, he needed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. So then he wasn't going to like let his guard down in any way. So there was there was so much there. It was also a super sad part when William passes away. That was really surprising and, and shocking, even though we knew he was passing away. We knew that, but it was still a big blow when it happened. All right. So let's start talking about episode one of season two. Where we left everybody, I think we're going to pick up with Kevin first. We had left with him trying to decide whether he was going to stick around with Sophie or whether he was going to go be a part of a movie. It looks like Kevin decided to go with the movie and try to do long distance relationship with Sophie. We found out a little bit extra about Sophie. Um, her mom is not doing terrifically. And so she is then constrained from being able to go out to see him. We start this season premiere as uh, on their birthdays, the triplets birthday again, just like we did in season one, where it was their actual day of birth. This is their 37th birthday. And so Sophie was going to come out and celebrate his birthday with Kevin. The sort of tension between them is that, you know, she's not going to be able to make it for this birthday because of her mom. And so he kind of latches on to Kate. 
And that becomes, you know, the big deal was that he's basically going to just sort of replace Sophie with Kate, if that makes sense. They use each other like that. Hmm. What do you think about the relationship between Kevin and Kate? I don't think it's off the mark for twins slash triplets who are currently not married and have gone a long time in their adult life not being married. I, I know you said Kevin was married for a while, but I I mean, I can see how old he is. And I got to imagine that wasn't a long time. Right. And I mean, she she was his personal assistant. So in many ways, that would be very spouse like. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't think this is uh, very far off the very realistic mark for for how the, they, those two could move end up this way. We have real life experience in this in that we have twins and then 10 and a half months later we have our son. We can definitely tell you that absolutely our one daughter and son have a very close bond and have done most everything together and it is difficult. They kind of give each other crap when it's like I can't believe you went and did that without me. They are not the twins. They are close enough in age and in in development and everything that they're doing that they um they really lean on each other and I could see this exact dynamic. I would almost hope for this dynamic yeah. for them, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely kind of the Supportive, constantly in contact. Yeah, that would be a great thing. Throughout this entire series so far, one of the big questions has been, how did Jack pass away? We know that Jack passed, but we don't know how or exactly when. And uh, Kevin, in his part of the story, revealed that one of the reasons why he's like so close to Kate is that it was actually Kate who told him the news that Jack had passed. And he was like, imagine, you know, a 17-year-old has to tell me that my dad has passed away. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay, so that was a chunk. They were like, okay, they were Mm. 17. So now we're starting to like narrow from the flashbacks. We never kind of knew where when they would end, you know, how how far in their childhood did they get? And now we know, okay, they made it to 17. Yeah, that's I mean, in most people's books, that's just about done. It is almost done. And so I I can imagine, like most people, Jack and Rebecca were probably really starting to think about what their lives were going to be like without the kids. You know, now they're going to be empty nesters very soon. And so I can imagine the conversations they were probably having. Hmm. That's very sad. So the whole first season, you had no idea. They just kind of dropped little things like Jack's dead. That's like the big one. And then there's, well, when did it happen? How did it happen? Yeah, it was, we were always trying to like poke through the, when they had the flashbacks, we would try to look around like what's going on now and can you try to figure out? Sometimes Miguel would be around in the storyline as her husband. And then you were trying to figure out like, well, when did they come in? And, you know, right from the get go with this being this third wheel of Miguel, you automatically hated Miguel. We're like, uh, Miguel, you're like an ass clown. You ruined it, you know, because you're obviously standing in Jack's way. And, you know, of course, as the story's revealing itself, no, I'm, I'm sure that's not how it went down at all. But, you know, <laughs> he you, may be an ass clown, but for different reasons. He seems like the really sympathetic Kind of almost like, you know how there's a quality about a second husband when it comes to the kids, especially when the when the father has passed, that's a little bit like almost over the top, quiet and sensitive to the whole situation. Like, like Miguel's not going to be the one to burst through the door and everything. It's going to be like, you know, helping Rebecca along. But he's much more like Rebecca's husband, not the kid's dad. Mm. So okay. there's like that quality. There's there's a lot of respect. They actually give quite a bit of room, I think, to Jack. It's It never feels really like Jack's gone. It really feels like they're all living like he's still 
there. That's probably part of where this family is is going to have to, to process too, is my gut feeling, is that we're so focused on Jack and Jack's not even in the show in current timeline. Right. That says an awful lot, right? You cast a very long shadow. Yeah. I mean, so when we went to the ATX television festival- We got to see the one of the presidents of NBC. We got to see Ken Olin, who is one of the executive producers, and he directs several episodes. He directed the episode that we're talking about, and we got to see Milo. Mandy was supposed to come, but she canceled, so it was just Milo. He was- as charming in person as you would think he is. Milo was a representative of the whole show. Then it's sort of like, again, it's like, wow, I mean, we have this very ensemble cast and this character is not even alive. And yet he's the one repping the whole show. And so that that tells you how much impact that his character has on the whole story. Just letting you know, as like an actual true fan, he's the one we wanted to see because mm-hmm. we we are so invested in Jack. We are so invested into what happened to him. And like, you almost like want to see Milo to be like, Jack's okay, right? <laughs> like, you know, and people did ask him, you know, what, when are we going to find out what, what happened to Jack and everything? And I thought his answer was really smart. You know, he said, yes, from the beginning, you guys have all known that Jack is going to die, but we all know everyone in this room is going to die. And so to focus on that as part of the story really isn't the story. You really should be focusing on all the things Jack did, which is great. But I can tell you the way that the show is set up, we're absolutely supposed to care. And it's being dropped with these little nuggets in a way that it is set up like a mystery because you really do. It's not going to solve anything. That's the worst part. Knowing how he died is not going to make any of us feel better. But there's something to knowing. I think that brings some closure, even for a fictional character. I thought it was interesting how uh, he says that he gets stopped all the time, especially in airports, because people just want to hug him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so sweet, right? It is. Okay, so let's move on to Kate and her current storyline. She is still with Toby, and they were moving in at the end of the last season. They're doing really well. She has decided to pursue her own singing career, which I think is a real big theme in this show of repeating the cycle of whatever your parent did. And so I think that it's very telling that she chose to be a singer. I didn't make that connection. It, that makes a lot of sense now that you've said, I mean, look at what the kids are doing compared to their parents. You know, it's, it's a pattern. Uh, interesting how that whole plot line What did you out. think of the audition process? Like, did do you feel like it, it played out pretty realistically? What, did it surprise you? Did in, in different ways because I don't know. I, I do think this is just me. Maybe I'm a jackass, but I do think he can say that her voice wasn't good enough and it wasn't as good as uh, Amber's voice. But to to pretend that that your that your lead singer's body image doesn't factor into what you're trying to sell when you have one of those commercial like wedding bands or whatever that is, that that doesn't I mean, come on, guy. Let's let's all be real here. I'll go 50-50 on that with you. I think it was a really cool twist in that they 
made it out like that that is what it was all about, that it was all about her weight. And so, you know, she needed to take a stand about it. And at the end of the day, I thought that the audition director there had a really good point that, you know, all these other girls have been working on their craft since they were 16 years old. You clearly are out of practice and don't have as much training as they do. You can't come in here and claim you're overweight. And that's why I didn't pick you when you're subpar in your talent. Mm -hmm. And that part is like, oh, yeah, because this show is a good mirror to the majority of the audience and saying, like, you know, how many things are you blaming on something that you think is like you just said, like a no brainer? Of course, her weight would matter. But she didn't even apply herself like she wasn't practicing and and taking all these classes and doing everything to prepare for that audition. It was just all about like, well, if I have enough guts then I should get it. Doesn't always work out that way. I think most of the time it doesn't work out that way. You know, you have to have the guts, but you have to have put in the work. Kind of appreciated. They they rarely turn on a dime on characters like that because she's always been a very sympathetic character. You've always felt like, oh man, we're all very much rooting for Kate. But in that moment, it was kind of like, oh, He's kind of right, Kate. Amber was better than you. Right. The backup singer. <laughs> right. Exactly. What did you think of the dynamic with Kevin and Toby and their sort of feeling of possession over Kate? They probably needed to have that conversation out of earshot, for one thing. But that's also very believable, you know, where I don't know that, that two men would get to the point of actually saying all the words that they said all in one conversation all at once. But this is TV, so some things have to kind of be accelerated but the point was good. It was, you're the brother, I'm the boyfriend. I need you to take a more brotherly traditional role so that I can fill more boyfriend role, which you're kind of horning in on right, right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely horning. I mean, the things like, I mean, how would you feel if like my brother was always like paying for us when we went out to dinner and that type of thing? Would you feel like, hey, dude? I'd feel like it's about damn time. <laughs> seen my brother pays his way don't be a weirdo but i i feel you like you're right that one of the semi unrealistic things about the show is that every character does a pretty good job of expressing themselves in a variety of ways probably not true to life there are definitely people in real life who are very unsatisfying with your interactions with them where you do not get the information you were hoping for, maybe ever, you know, they never cop to whatever the hell they were really feeling. This is familiar? I don't know familiar? anyone like that. I don't know a single person like that. You don't know anyone who clams up and won't just explain their no, emotional no. issues? Only people I associate with are very forthright. They... And they have no trouble expressing their emotions or getting in touch with themselves. That's a fact. That is the only person you deal with, isn't it? <laughs> uh, my life experience is that I might have a person who's a little more reserved and wouldn't come out on the sidewalk and express himself in quite the same ways that Toby did. I don't know this person. You'll have to introduce me sometime. <laughs> Speaking about this whole pursuing this cycle of your parents, we have Randall, who has decided that in order to honor his fathers, both of those fathers' passings, he wants to adopt a child. Do you think that that was like a legitimate way to honor his dads? The little bit that I know about Randall, it feels right. For most families, that's a pretty severe decision. It's not a bad decision. It's just like, 
a super major decision. You know, you're, you're deciding to engage in a life event, <laughs> you know? And so given all just a little bit of stuff that I saw him do in the first season, that's very in his character to, to go, to go big or, or, or go home, you know, and he always goes big. He's very much a, a control kind of person. And I think that was depicted throughout this episode, especially where, you know, he's really trying to drive the conversations about adoption. And I thought they did a great job with his wife, Beth, the flashbacks of William and being able to still hear William's advice through his book of poems that she gives him for his birthday, them being able to have that sort of come to Jesus moment, which I appreciated. If you remember, Randall had that conversation with Rebecca, where Rebecca explains that it was really Jack that always pushed. And and sometimes in marriage, you have to have somebody who pushes you to the next place. When he comes back to Beth, I was pretty surprised when he was like, I don't want to be like that. What did you think about how they were like, we need to alter this together? At the end of the day, he still wanted to figure out a way to do this adoption, right? But he couldn't go into an adoption with a partner that he was dragging along, which is what he had been doing. So he needed to find a way to appeal to her in a way that was like, we need to go, you know, do this together or not at all. Um, Cause he wasn't going to be able to do it alone. He didn't say it like that. And I think that's, what's interesting. He didn't say either like get with the program or else it wasn't like that. It was like, we need to alter the plan so that everybody's comfortable with this. So how are we going to do that? And I think that's like a fresh approach to what we usually see on TV. I mean, it usually is a father saying like, get with the program or get out kind of attitude, right? Yeah. Or even the, or, or the mother saying, get with what I want to do or get out. You know, so the idea of having characters on TV that were actually saying like, if you're in a, if you're in a marriage and you love each other, then you guys need to alter the plan, not demand each other, you know, meet the plan, make the plan meet one another. Right. We're the only ones in charge of the plan. <laughs> yeah. Like we can change it in any way we want. And I think that that's something that I applaud the, the show for being very forward thinking in that way. Ultimately, Beth brings forth this concept of like, why don't we adopt an older child and try to give them something that we know for a fact that they would never have? What do you think about that idea? You know, adopting a newborn is very different from adopting an older child. This is not going to be a very popular opinion, I'm sure. But just from a TV watcher standpoint, I've seen that plot in Parenthood. <laughs> Erica Christensen and her husband, they want to adopt a baby. And the one that they get is like 12 and they just move forward with it. And for about a season, he's a real handful. And after that, he's OK. You know that plot line? Sure, so I, sure. I, I feel like I've, I've seen that. And so if he comes, if, if this child comes in and is a, a jackass I mean, I'm going to have seen that recently. Right. Know? So it'll be interesting if they do find a way to do this in a fresh way, because you're right. I mean, I think it's very foreseeable that anybody who has been through any type of foster care or, you know, was abandoned in any way uh, and, uh, and is older is going to come with their baggage. And so for sure, that is going to be a huge problem for, for the whole family. But at the same time, I hope they find a way to make that more interesting. And like you said, we've seen that in many other shows before. It's, I mean, it's very noble. It's very, you, you can't say anything bad about that decision really in, their, in that they're trying to help in, in a, just a tiny piece, a part of society that's important to them. That's great. 
It's just as a TV watcher, I want to see something new. Forward to seeing what happens with that story. Last but not least, certainly the one that we care the most about right now is Jack and Rebecca finding out more about their story. We left them where we thought Rebecca was basically like throwing him out. That really left a bad taste in my mouth that, you know, what the hell with Rebecca. This whole episode really turns things around. We have a flashback where we are basically meeting up with them the right the morning after the fight, and they have that diner scene with the kids. When I say as a TV watcher, I want to see something new, that was kind of a fresh take on the, your mom and I need to talk to you, we're getting divorced. That wasn't what they were talking about. It was, your mom and I need to talk to you, we're just really mad right now. We can't look at each other for a little bit, but we expect things will get fixed Pretty soon, just eh, right now, you know? I kind of wonder if they have like psychologists or something like on the writing staff or like as like consultants or something, because doesn't that seem like a way healthier way to do it instead of just like hating each other in front of the kids with like zero explanation. And then just all of a sudden one day you say, we're getting divorced. Like (laughs) they're actually like preemptively saying we're arguing right now and it's going to be like intense and we may even need to be apart from each other for a little while. Like that's that's very, again, very open. Is it realistic? I don't know. It's certainly healthy. Yeah, it's a good example for all of us. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. I kind of feel that way about a lot of these discussions, right? You kind of look at them and you're like, oh, maybe I should have talked what like that. What would Jack Pearson do? <laughs> exactly. What did you think about the interaction with Jack and Rebecca when Rebecca comes to the door to finally have had this epiphany that it wasn't just that she gave up on this singing dream, but that she gave up things and he gave up things, but together they realized this much larger dream and it was worth it. That whole scene was, as I keep saying, as a TV watcher, really, I haven't seen anything like that where, well, for one thing, the wife comes to get the husband and is like, you know, right or wrong, we need to work on this together, not apart. Come on. And then his whole business about his alcoholism was, since I hadn't watched last season, I don't know if that was a major theme that had crept into episodes, you know, taking too many drinks here and there. Well, yeah, it it had been a previous issue for him. And so it was something that was like on the table lingering. And when he opened the door, Milo did a good job of playing it subtly, but I knew he was drunk instantly when he opened the door because it's subtle. But if you watch him and you watch the way he acts, I mean, it's very like a little bit off from the Jack character you're used to. I mean, he slurs his speech. His eyes are kind of half closed. He he moves slowly and ponderously. (laughs) Yeah. All that stuff. Well, you having not seen him that much, I didn't know what you knew about his mannerisms or the way he speaks or anything. But from, you know, someone who's watched a whole bunch, I can say like, you know, he is like an animated person. So for him to be so sluggish, it was instantly like, oh my God, which that is probably my only like "Mm," about that scene is that I don't see how there's any possibility that that Rebecca wouldn't have said you're drunk. And I mean, there's no, if we could pick that up as the viewers, then I feel like she would have stopped almost mid sentence and was like, have you been drinking? Well, maybe with the smell factor, but she didn't let him say anything for a long time. She had her piece to say and she said it. And that's when he said his thing. And that's when it had that, that false ending that I totally bought because that's what every other TV show would do in that scene 
you know, it would, and then it would become, well, that's, that's the season's journey for these two is getting back together. And, and I, again, was like, I've already seen that. And so then when the lights come back on and she knocks on the door and is like, you know, get in that car, you know, (laughs) that was, that was something totally brand new. And that he went with her was also amazing. I just love it when TV shows don't waste my time, you know, and they show me something new, but they don't waste my time and, and give me, and just stretch out a plot that I've already seen, you know, on Melrose Place or whatever. (laughs) It makes me so happy to hear you talk this way because this was not a show that Paul necessarily was super interested in covering. And when, you know, when I say he just sort of like, you know, glanced over during season one, he really did. So by the end of one episode, y'all, he was like, whoa, this show is doing something new. (laughs) And, you know, to see his eyes light up over there just talking about it is like, see, it's totally worth watching. And it's the type of show that, that the way that it skillfully reveals those things like him closing the door and you really thinking there's no reason why those credits shouldn't have just run right then. Honestly, I mean, that that could have easily been the last scene moving on to the next episode. Yeah. But to not even have that be the big moment to actually have more in this episode that actually was more of a gut punch than that. Is like, that's why This Is Us is Emmy nominated show, you know, because it just does so much in an episode. So, you know, we leave with Jack going in the car with Rebecca and she's saying, you know, in a couple months, this is all going to be behind us and and this is all going to be forgotten. And then, you know, the camera kind of switches and we realize that he has a, a Ziploc bag on the seat and not Jack. If you glanced at the Ziploc bag... Yeah, it was like a watch, a ring, a billfold. So that's what the coroner gives you as like your personal effects. So it was like all everything that would have been on his body. Now, the only good news about that to me was that all those things existed. And why I say that is because when she pulls up to the house... And, and you, and they, they show Pearson on the mailbox and then they, they back off the shot and the house is all burned. At least in my heart of hearts, I have to think Jack wasn't burned because his wallet and his ring and all that stuff wouldn't be in that bag. Hmm. I want to hope that, right? That's my clue. That's my observation because they absolutely 100% lead us to believe like he burned alive in there and that's what happened to Jack. If this was any other show, I'd think Miguel set the fire. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know yet. You know what? This show is twisty and turny enough that I would never think that because this isn't a a Melrose Place kind of thing, but that things could be more complicated than they look for sure. But like I said, his wallet wouldn't be there. His watch and stuff like, I mean, you wouldn't have that stuff, you know? Did you ever watch watch Manchester by the Sea? I did not. There's a fire story in Manchester by the Sea and it is gut-wrenching the way that they reveal it. And I don't want to see that here. Cause it's, that's actually like too much. That was like, ah, I can't watch this anymore. It's so, so bad. I really hope that they don't exploit the audience and their love of Jack and make it awful like that. I, I can't really imagine that they would because just the emotional moments of, you know, having Rebecca like beat on the steering wheel and scream and cry and all that stuff is like, oh my God, you know, that's, that's so much. But if we have to actually visually see 
stuff, which I'm sure, I mean, I think we're going to see up to the very moment he takes his last breath, you know, and maybe even more. Well, now, uh, I mean, on that, in that ride home, in that, in the Jeep or whatever it is, they put her in a very identifiable Steelers jersey. Right. So, so now, I mean. Yeah, we're going to be looking for that we costume. Are in Steelers jersey watch, yeah. you know, for the rest of the show. Absolutely. We will be. So that that's another clue that we picked up on for sure. What do you think? Now, this is your first full episode in a long time. What do you think of This Is Us? Well, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think it is very skillfully, very craftily done I love the the flashback setup and I really like how from the little bit that I know they aren't progressing the the kids as kids timeline at at the same rate that they're progressing the the current timeline. They're picking and choosing time periods in their young life that kind of makes sense with what's happening now. And then they show that. But then next week, they may be three years old. And the next week, they may be 12 years old. And that's why knowing that they're 17 doesn't actually help that much because you're right. Next week, they could be back to them being toddlers in a flashback because of, you know, something that's going on with, you know, Kate's babysitting or something, you know? Yeah. So everything could change each episode, which makes, you know, more on the edge of your seat of like, is this when we're going to finally find out the story. Why do you think people are so invested in really how Jack dies? Oh, because, I mean, he's the father of the year stuff. I mean, he is someone that, that out of all those characters, <laughs> they made him into the one you wanted to see go the least. You'd be like, well, I could probably lose Kevin, no big deal. But, but I mean, they turned Jack into the guy everybody looks up to and, and, and didn't get enough time with. You know, it's it's uh, so. But why do we need to know how? Like, I mean, we know he's gone. He's gone. We know that. So why do we need to know how? Because we're just simple people, Caroline. (laughs) That's my answer. I mean, people need to know that kind of stuff. It's just natural curiosity driving, wanting to know about people that they admire, you know, and if if for some reason they are their lives are done. How was that person taken from you is a very natural feeling. It's just, this was generated by a TV character. I know. Isn't that amazing? And it's, it's somebody that we all genuinely want to know what happened and why. So we are so looking forward to next week. Hope you are able to join us each week with This Is Us. We will be uh, live tweeting on Daily Review. And also our partnering company, So Many Shows, will be live tweeting and posting all kinds of information as well. Thanks a lot. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com, that's D-A-L-E-Y review.com, Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you find us, please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.